All right, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, Matthew 13, and we left off here in verse 44, okay? I'm going to start in verse 44 and make our way to the end. Amen. Now, verse 44, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Now, I just want to say something here, because when people read that, when they read that parable, a lot of people in today's world will say, well, that's that's very foolish of that man just to sell everything he hath and just to buy the field. Well, here's the thing. Well, where God sees wisdom, the world sees as foolishness. Okay? Because the world does not know God, does not know God's ways. And we have to understand, okay, we see here in this parable that this treasure hidden in the field, it would appear as to how I see it, and correct me if I'm wrong, that this field had more value than the treasure itself. Now, why would I say something like that? Well, here's, here's what I say. Okay, when the word of God is planted in a good field... And good hearts, good soil hearts, hearts that are are pliable and learnable, and, and people when, when when people grow, when the word of God changes a person, that is more value than tr than treasure itself. Okay, um, let's take a look here. Faith. Okay. Let's take a look at faith. Um, and First Peter chapter one, <coughs> excuse me, First Peter chapter one verse seven it says that the, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and not. And glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now you might say, well, Brandon, okay, well, that's good and all, but what in the world does that have to do with this parable? Well, okay, let's think about something here. That the trial of your faith, the trying of your faith is much more precious than gold. Bear with me for a second. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the word of God. That's how faith comes. Okay? The word of God is what? 
seed. Now, what have we been going? What have we gone through when it comes to Matthew 13? At the beginning, we talked about four kinds of ground. Okay, four kinds of ground. We talked about how three of the one out of the four grounds are actually those who are saved because one of those grounds is good soil. Okay? Faith comes by hearing and hearing of what? The word of God. It's the word of God that gets planted in your heart. And when the word of God is planted in your heart, know it's going to be tried. Know it's going to be tried. Know as in K-N-O-W, not N-O, okay? But know that your faith is going to be tried. And Peter is talking here that the trial of your faith is much precious than of gold. And in this parable... We see that the man sells everything he has for this field. Think about that. What did Christ do? Okay, what did, what did Christ do? He died and he died in our place. He paid the price in which we couldn't pay at the cross. He paid a debt that we could not pay, but he paid it in full. And he purchased us with what? His blood. Does that make sense? He purchased us with his blood. Now, you might say, well... What's so special about me? I'm just nothing but a sad sack of dirt. Are you getting it now? Before Christ, you were just a sad sack of dirt. Worth nothing. And yet Christ, by his blood, purchased you. What does it say? It says that the man sold everything... And bought that field. That parable. Now maybe I'm wrong. But this. Is talking about how Christ purchased us. We are the ground. We were made from what? The dust of the earth. And Christ purchased us with his blood. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Amen. I hope that makes sense. Verse 45. It says again, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, there was a pearl of great price. Sold everything he had and bought it. Um, 
Let's see here. Oops. Let's see here. Uh, let me got. I gotta find it here. Feed. Uh, let's see. Purchased with his. Okay, Acts chapter twenty, verse twenty-eight. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves. And to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. You know, God says that life is in the blood. And so we see that Christ gave himself. He purchased he, he, Christ, by his own life and willingness to use his life to purchase the church. Amen. Christ purchased the church by his life, by the blood that he shed. Amen. Peter, good to good to see you on, Peter. Hope, hopefully this will be a blessing to you. But we see that Christ had purchased the church with his blood. And again, we see in this parable that this man sold everything he had to purchase that pearl. Amen. Now, let's continue on. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world, the angels shall come forth and serve or sever. The wicked from among the just. All right. So we see that this, this is a fishing parable. And when you go fishing, you're going to catch all sorts of fish. Good, big, good, big, fat ones. And some ugly looking terrible ones. What do we see what did we see in Matthew earlier? In another parable, okay? We see that in that parable Jesus had spoke about the tares and the wheat growing together. Same thing with fish. The good and the bad, they grow together until they are caught up. And we see that the angels are the ones that are going to sever 
and separate the good from the bad. We also see a separate. We also see a, a similar picture of this in the future with sheep and goats. Um, uh, hang on a second. Let me get down here. Um, let's see here. Let's type in goats. Not gots. It's goats. There we go. My computer is kind of acting up a little bit here today. Oh, boy. Is it? No. Oh, hang on a second. It's not in the it's actually not in Revelation, it's in Matthew. In Matthew chapter twenty five, verse thirty two, it says, And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a sheep divideth his sheep not sheep, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. So you see, there's going to be a division. There's going to be a separation between sheep and goats. And we see that separation in this parable with fishing, with, with the parable of the fish and nets. Okay, now it doesn't stop there. In verse 50, it says, And shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. You know what that is? That's hell. That's hell. One of these days, there's going to be a separation. The good are going to go, the good are going to be with the Father, and the wicked are going to go into everlasting fire where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, and that place is called hell. And all those who don't believe on the name of Jesus Christ are going to be, those who don't believe are going to end up in hell. Those who refuse to believe will end up in hell. Those who just want to sin and have a good time will end up in hell. Amen. This is why you need to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not God's will for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. There's a real place called hell, and if you reject Christ and you choose to do whatever you want to do and not what God wants, and you choose to be rebellious and to reject Christ, and you die in that condition, you will end up in hell. And that is going to lead into the lake of fire, and there will be no escape.
Now, Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, it says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, you will be cast into the lake of fire with the false prophet and with the Antichrist and Satan. And we see that here in Revelation chapter 19, verse 20. It says, And the beast was taken with and with him, the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire with brimstone. In Revelation 20, 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. You guys, this is not a joke. Hell is a real place. And if you don't accept Jesus Christ into your heart and life, you will you will end up in hell if you don't repent. This is, this is very serious. If you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, if the Holy Ghost is convicting you, you need to get on your knees and repent of your sin, and you need to get right with God. <coughs> because if you don't, God will hand you over to a reprobate mind. And once you're handed over, you're handed over. Amen. Now, verse 51, Jesus saith unto them, Have ye understood all these things? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder which bringeth forth out of his treasures things new and old. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the comforter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. I want to say this. All you guys that are born again Christians, you might be in a situation where you might be the only one that's born again. And when you try to witness to your family, they either get convicted and they don't like it or they just flat out don't like you. But can I tell you something? If 
if they get if they feel that conviction but they don't like it and they don't want to they they just pretend that you know they just pretend and they don't they're not sincere about it Jesus knows how you feel his own town and his own family were offended at him because of what he taught his own town was saying well is this not the carpenter's son well here's the thing about that they're referencing joseph and let me just make this abundantly clear joseph is not the father of jesus christ God the Father in heaven, he's the father of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the only begotten son. Okay, John 1, 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, John 1, 18. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, hath he declared. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. First John chapter 4 verse 9. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Amen. Christ is the only begotten Son. Now, um, now. In, in Luke chapter 2, verse 48, it says, And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said, I have sought thee sorrowing. Oh, hang on a second. I didn't read that whole thing. I apologize. Let me reread that again. Okay. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Sour. I can't speak today. Sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? You see, Jesus told us, he told his mother that he was going about his father's business. And whose business is that? 
God's business. Amen? So we see here, now is this a contradiction? No, it's not a contradiction. Okay, and I'll tell you why. Because the the people in their town didn't understand who Jesus was. They didn't understand that Joseph was not the real father. Henceforth they said, is this not the carpenter's son? Now we see that that um, Joseph, yes, Joseph was a father figure, but he wasn't the father of Jesus. Okay, but he was a father figure, but he wasn't the father. But we also see that Jesus had half-sisters and brothers. And the people were astounded by what he spoke. And were wondering, where is he getting all this knowledge? They were offended at him. And this is where Jesus says, a prophet is not without honor. Save in his own country and his own house. Which means... That what Jesus is saying, that prophet, a prophet does get honor. The only place that he doesn't get honor is in his own town and his own and his own uh, and his own family and his own in his own town. That's the only few places where he doesn't get honor. And you come to read at the very end, in verse 58, it says that he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. You know, it's interesting. They saw Jesus. They heard what he said. They were astonished at what he said. They were astonished at his doctrine. They were astonished at the parables that he spake. They were astonished. They saw him. And yet didn't believe. Now you might say, well, Brennan, why do you bring that out? Because you got people in this world that say, well, I won't won't even believe in Jesus unless I see him. Really? Really? You won't believe unless you see him? Listen, I've never, I have not seen Jesus. Okay. I haven't seen him with my physical eyes. I haven't seen him physically. Yet I believe. But the world will say, well, how can you believe in something that you don't see? Let me ask you a question. The wind. Do you believe that there's wind? Well, yeah. Well, how do you know? Well, I just know. Well, how do you know? Can you see it? Well, no. Well, how do you know it's wind? Well, because it's wind. 
Well, how and why? You can't see it. You can only feel it. But you know what's there. You see, Bible-Christianity is not about feeling. That's not the point I'm trying to get at. The point I'm trying to get at is just because you can't see it does not mean it's not there. Do you believe that there's gravity? Well, yeah. How do you know? Can you feel it? Can you see it? Well, no. Well, how, how, how do you know there's gravity then? Well, listen. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Jesus is there. You may not see him, but he's there. And I'm going to tell you something. To me, he's just as real as I am doing this video. Christ is very real to me, but I can't see him. Just because you can't see Christ doesn't mean that he doesn't exist. Because he exists. He's living. The problem is, people only say such things, well, I, I will only believe him if I see him. Well, that's, that's, that's a cop-out. Because you see in Scripture numerous times how people... Have seen what he's done. You don't. Right on brother Peter. That's right. It's a heart issue. Over and over again. Do you see. Even the Pharisees. They were asking a sign. But you know what Jesus said. He said an evil and adulterous generation. Seeketh after a sign. The Pharisees saw him. They saw his works. They tried to entrap him by his own words. They couldn't. And you want to know something? They, the Pharisees saw all that and still didn't believe. So just so, so don't, don't 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 be saying all this. Well, I will only believe if I see him. No, you won't. You won't even, you won't believe. Listen, if you can't believe Christ now when you can't see him, how will you actually believe when you do see him? Eventually you will believe, but it will be too late. But I'm just speaking in terms as of right now on earth. If you don't believe him now, how will you believe him if he were to appear to you? You wouldn't. You might be just like the Gergesenes. You might you might hear and see what Jesus do, and you might just tell him to leave. And the Gergesenes, they heard about Jesus casting the devils out of those two out of the two out of those two men. That were chained. And you know what? Those townspeople heard it and they saw him. And you know what they said? They told him to leave. 
The issue isn't you believing if you seeing. The issue is with your heart. You just don't want to believe. Because you don't want to believe that there's a heaven and there's a hell. That there is a God and there's a devil. That there are angels and there are devils. You don't want to believe that because of your heart. The hardness of your heart won't... Your heart... It's because of your heart you don't want to believe. And by the way, I think this will be a good place to kind of bring this all in full circle. You don't want to believe because of the hardness of your heart. Because you don't want to accept the truth. Do we have to go back and reread what that hard ground is? I think we should. Matthew 13, verse 5, it says, Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deep root, deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scourged, and because they had no root, they withered away. That's a hard heart. Don't get me wrong. Jesus can deal with that. He can work with that. You know what? You know how he does it? He plows up the hardness of that heart and makes it soft. He did it with one Pharisee, whose name was Saul, who then became Paul, and Paul became one of the. I mean, he he, he became a good. He became a very, <clears throat> very great, very great missionary and apostle to the Gentiles. <clears throat> He did. He did. But I'm telling you, all you that want to say, "Well, I will only believe if I see him." No, you won't. No, that's not the. That's not always the case. It's because it's a heart issue. Because you won't receive the word of God. Listen, how. Okay. Um, hang on a second. Something came to me, and I, I want to share this with you. Turn with me to Luke uh, sixteen, Luke sixteen twenty nine, and we'll close with this. I keep saying we're going to close, and we don't close. <laughs> Spoken like a true Baptist preacher. Uh, Luke chapter 16. This is, this is the story of Lazarus and the rich man. And the rich man died and went to hell. Okay? And he begged. He begged. He begged Abraham 
to send someone from the dead to warn his family to not come down here. Okay. Starting in verse 27, it says, Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though, though one rose from the dead. If we tell you, if we tell you the word of God, if we tell you what Moses and the prophets tell about Christ, and you choose not to believe it, but say, well, we'll believe if we see him. If you don't believe our report from what the what from what what from what the Bible says, what makes you think you'll believe when you actually see him? You won't even be convinced that it was Christ if he were to appear to you. Just saying. It's because of the hardness of your hearts. <clears throat> the Holy Ghost can work on you. But the question is, will you allow him to? Amen.